Snyder's Return is a tabletop role-playing podcast featuring interviews and a D&D 5e actual play adventure, so you can learn about different game systems and content creation, while also listening to us disrupt everyday life on the Sword Coast. We release episodes every Tuesday and Thursday on your podcasting platform, so come join us as we improvise, adapt, and overcome. Life's a game, the world's a stage, and we are merely role players, where theatrical people play role-playing games. I'm Matt, I have been your compare for this production of Vigil Cold Snap, and I am now backstage with the players. Uh, let's introduce ourselves once again uh, for the last time for this production, uh, starting with Nat. Hello, I am Nat. I was playing Gwyneth the Divine. Uh, who do you like to go next? Strat. Hello, I'm Strat. I was playing Briar the Monstrous. Uh, go, Chris. Hello, I'm Chris, and I played Cameron the Wronged. Sorry, and Josh, take it away, kiddo. Hello, my name is Josh. I was playing Ginny Greenteeth, the Spell Slinger. Uh, this has been our cast. Uh, I hope everybody's enjoyed. Uh, how did uh, everyone find that? It was awesome! Very, <laughs> very cool. That was a lot of fun. Exhilarating. So, and so exhausting. Good. Yeah. It was a tiring yeah. one. They're always yeah. pretty tiring, but that one that one was a lot. It was intense. Well, it, it, that was long as well. It ran yeah. quite long for us. But it was worth sticking around for. I don't know yet how long it's uh, turned out in the edit. <laughs> but for once, we are, we are synchronous, or nearly thereabouts, with uh, you, the listeners, uh, it's been a week for you since the final act of Cold Snap, and it has been about a week for us since we recorded it as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're coming at it with uh, a similar amount of distance. Monster of the Week has some end-of-session admin that we need to do. So let's start with that, shall we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. love a bit of admin. So we have to answer a number of questions, and depending on how many of these questions we can answer yes to, uh, you're all going to get a certain amount of XP. Holy shit. Sweet. That's exciting. So question number one, did we conclude the current mystery? Yeah. Yes. Yes. It was a giant elk, (laughs) the living embodiment of the last ice age. Indeed, yes. Uh, Unequivocally, yes, we did conclude the current mystery. Did we save anybody from certain death or worse? Uh, Eric? National Trust? Yeah. People? Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. Yeah, Eric and the whole National Trust team were, were roaming <laughs> about the forest. I guess also the the world, considering this thing was about to, hey. to usher yeah. in a bit of a, an ice age that would kill mm. everybody. Surely, you know, the population of the entirety of the Northern Hemisphere now owes us <laughs> a, a, a great gratitude. Absolutely. Yep. But then, yes, uh, Eric, specifically, uh, you did save him from being like very closely threatened by a ghoul that had taken him hostage. So even without the Ice Age that you averted, uh, yes, we have qualified for that one. So that's Ooh. two. That's two yeses. Did we learn something new and important about the world? There's a bloody great elk that brings in the African <laughs> Ice Age. Yeah, That sounds pretty important to remember. Let's put that in the diary, shall we? <laughs> it depends on who you ask, because technically Brian knew, but they just had to remember oh, that true. they knew. But the, for the rest, that was new information. Also, we learned about what ghouls actually are, which I don't say, Matt, is a real cool way of like yeah. making ghouls what they were. True. The, the, the unsubstantiated fears of the privileged. <laughs> Yeah. Hoodies, basically. Yeah, <laughs> teens in hoodies, hooded youths. I'm I'm interested to see see where, uh, like what other people think of that because that I feel like 
it's a slight risk that one like maybe the riskiest i've gone with world building i was gonna say that um, was 100 percent you right yeah that's it felt 100 yeah. percent you and i loved it yeah because it's like i like that concept of uh that they're, they're the things that people are scared of who don't really have anything to be scared of um but it still means that we've got like hoodie monsters so i don't know we'll see i think the flashbacks were necessary to make them okay but we'll see how that yeah. goes. I saw or I noticed, Matt, that it felt going back to what we were talking about, it feeling quite a hot fuzz village that the hooded youth certainly had a bit of a hot fuzz world, world end feeling about, you know, the, the generic teenagers in hoodies threatening yeah. the village. That felt <laughs> nice. I think as well with, with this particular group of uh, of hunters, though, I think yeah okay we we saw when we investigated that it was like the, the remnants of a, a tracksuit and trainers kind of thing but i don't think any of us for a second actually thought it was like tracksuit wearing like human thugs i think we knew that that mm-hmm. something awry with that something was amiss with that image um i think if you had more mundane characters then maybe you would have been a, at risk of people making stereotypes or that kind of thing but i think because we were all Obviously, uh, apart from Starkey's character, we were very uh, of, of the Fey folk, and I think we all kind of went down that route anyway, and didn't make any kind of stereotypical assumptions. So I think uh, that was a good call. Well, also, it's quite it's quite a good shout because Ginny, Briar, and Gwyneth are all very very old, and mm. that is generally speaking what might frighten older people <laughs> is youths crowding around town centers <laughs> acting loitering and acting all scary it's also we've discovered that they don't always look like that because we know that the ones that cam encountered uh we, we had cam told us what he saw when he was younger and it, they didn't look like these ones so True. there's mm. there's different kinds of them around mm. yeah i think between all of those various details i think we've learned something new and important about the world could we add one more, which seems quite a large oversight to this point? Gwynedd's god came to this realm and presented mm. themselves to her. That must have blown uh, Gwynedd's yeah. mind wide open. Surely Gwynedd has learned a lot. Well, I, I would say the way the, um, the, the Morrigan is as a god is that she always did have a corporeal presence whether that was appearing as a woman or three women or appearing as ravens or horses or that kind of thing. So uh, the Morrigan actually physically appearing in itself would not have blown Gwynedd's mind because uh, Gwynedd fought alongside her in battles. But the fact that the Morrigan has realised that Gwynedd is back and has made herself very known uh, that definitely is is definitely going to be it's going to be playing on Gwyneth's mind a lot going forwards. Yeah, it's fun. I liked mm. it a lot. Which may lead us on to the the fourth and final uh, end of session question: Is did we learn something new and important about any of the hunters? Yeah, mm. I mean, well, uh, the same for for Gwyneth again. I guess is that I think her focus for the next time she is oh, yeah, true. appearing in Sheridan is going to be different. She's got a, a lot of, uh, well, she, she's got a, a submission now yeah. as well, right? Yeah. Which, if she chooses to accept it. If she chooses to accept it. Um, and I think we learned some stuff about Briar as well. Like we say, he, he, yes. Briar technically sort of knew it deep down, but we as a group did not. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that it was kind of so long ago that they had completely forgotten <laughs> yeah this wasn't important anymore yeah yeah perhaps perhaps we learned that briar needed or needs to remain more alert to any incoming dangers and up until this point you know their focus had been on mischief and the immediacy of the forest when actually there are bigger greater threats out there mm. i think also they'd spent a lot of time protecting the physical forest itself and maybe had started to forget that the forest is actually greater than just a few trees it's about the inhabitants and how they interact with them and how they come together as kind of like a community and that's the way that they stay you know one step ahead of any threats so i think that was a bit of a a realization for uh, for briar that they don't have to 
do things all by themselves all the time. How very mortal mm. of them. <laughs> uh, we learned why Cameron hates being called CJ. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was quite fun with the flashbacks with Cameron and Doom Agent, whose name I have forgotten. Ernie. Good old Ernie. That was that was fun. That had a sort of, yeah, the, the training montage. Mm-hmm. Uh, feel to it and Cameron suddenly you know mid-scene goes glassy-eyed and looks up into the into the sky and remembers Ernie's training mm-hmm. yeah. it felt very Punisher right it felt very like a thing out of a Marvel TV universe yeah uh, kind of trope yeah great. we haven't we haven't really done flashbacks in that way on million role players before so that was it was a new new storytelling technique to try and, and you know it fit the moment it was what we needed to tell the the bit mm. of the story that we were telling. I think it worked quite well. It was mm. great. So by my count, we've got, uh, we had four questions and we've got four yeses, uh, which means that everybody, all four of you, each get to mark two XP. <gasps> nice. Well, level up. Level up. Level up. Oh, I'd already leveled up, but I am only <laughs> one box away from the next one. Nice. Yes. Whoa. Soon, Soon, near the beginning of your next mystery. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot if they want to deliberate over uh, what you want to have as your advancement now that you've leveled up. But did anybody already have their eye on anything? Does anybody already know what they were going to take? Yeah. I've got uh, what does not kill me is my new wronged move. Cool. What does that do? If I have suffered harm in a fight, I gain one ongoing until the fight is over. Nice. Yeah, so as soon as you get hurt, you get better at everything. That's it, yeah, pretty much. So uh, next up, anybody got any burning questions or just uh, any kind of feedback or anything as general wrap-up after Cold Snap? Uh, How did you find running a more sort of combat-heavy session, (laughs) Matt? Uh, I have realised that I need to give... I can get away with giving monsters more... Uh, harm that they can take <laughs> <laughs> with this group with, with this with this group specifically because i was i sort of upped the winter king's harm from what the sharks had in playtime uh, i was like oh well they dealt with the sharks pretty quickly i can afford to give this this guy a bit more harm and a bit more armor um, and then uh, all of you with your four harm attacks just started <laughs> absolutely blowing through it. How, how much harm did, did he have? So technically, I gave him 10 that he could take. Um, right. But I allowed him a bit of extra once the Morrigan souped him up. Um, because otherwise he'd have been yeah. dead at that point. Sure. <laughs> I was going to say, it, di- it didn't feel too easy. It felt like a slog. Good. With the ghouls as well. Yeah, and I gave him mm. a lot of harm that he could dish out as well. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, his his icy breath thing. I, I for, uh, oh, yeah, it was yeah. Uh, Cameron who managed to prevent the second one. I'm mm-hmm. very pleased that he did. Because <laughs> I'm, I, like, Briar finished that fight and they only had, I think, they could have only taken maybe two more harm. Oof. Ooh. Yeah, again, it was, that was building on from playtime. I think most of the sharks' attacks were were like one harm or two harm attacks, mm. um, which meant that like they got a couple of hits in and people were not getting brought down too much and not feeling too. I mean, they felt they said afterwards that they felt like it was uh, they were in peril and it was tense. Mm. But uh, from my point of view, I was like, hmm, I could press them a little bit harder and maybe uh, push people into using bits of luck to negate harm potentially. Mm, sure. I loved that um, the ghouls in the end were doing, I think it was two harm, and Cameron had two armor, yeah. and I, yeah. it was so much fun when they attacked him, and it was just him shrugging it off. Yeah, <laughs> just, normally, normally in Monster of the Week, if something does zero harm, if it's reduced to zero by your armor, it still does something, like it can still knock you over, or it can still wind you, or something like that, but because of Cameron's berserk rage... Mm. It's literally no effect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Basically, he's awesome. I'm all in favour of um, rejigging enemies in the midst, in the heat of battle, because <laughs> I think if they'd only had eight health 
and we reduced that within two hits, it would have felt not necessarily anticlimactic because the narrative that you built around it was so grandiose. It was very exciting. But I think if I hadn't, if I was last in the so-called initiative order and I didn't get a chance to at least get a hit in, I would have felt a little like, <laughs> no, are you, are you sure, Matt? They haven't got a bit more fight left in them so I can at least go and zap them a bit. Um, I'm, I'm all in, in favor of that because I'd rather it felt like a big meaty challenge. And the way you described it, you know, a, a giant wintry elk the embodiment of the Ice Age, you know, an equal to uh, the Guardian of the Rosebriar Forest. They needed to be big and bulky and scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, uh, it never got to use... Uh, it had different attacks in that second form as well. So it never got to try and eat anybody, which would have been no. fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would have oh, been unpleasant. <laughs> mm, sure. it's, its second form was awesome. I do yeah. like the whole thing it's like you you find the baddie and it's and then it's got a second more mm. dastardly monstrous disgusting form with its giant <laughs> belly mouth or whatever it was <laughs> it felt very resident evil it felt Ooh. very much like william birkin or nemesis you've sure. got like nine different forms you've got the, you've got to fight <laughs> the thing in and you're just waiting for that for that um cut scene we're like right what's it gonna look like now oh it looks like a giant mouth on some legs with some bulbous eyes and stuff floating around the place see i felt it went uh, a little bit more towards like the the anime or the power rangers like the kaiju especially because <laughs> briar got big as well i was like kaiju battle <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's a shame. We should have all like jumped onto Briar's back and become like two of us become the arms, one of us become the head. <laughs> <laughs> Gwyneth at the back with the wings trying to yes. fly. Yes. Oh, that would have mm. been so good. Combo moves for next time. Oh yeah, I mean like I, I, I definitely foresee like Gwyneth and, and Ginny like combining some kind of like flying and throw throw the spell slinger. <laughs> kind of uh, kind of moves that she could go and like I very much enjoy being Cannonball Granny. I thought so. <laughs> what's what's the name of the move in X Men? Colossus and Wolverine, the fastball yeah. special. special. Yeah, <laughs> so it's just the Granny Ball special. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you definitely did all do a like by our powers combined with that big magic. With the, yeah, 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 with the spell. Yeah, so you you weren't physically combining, but <laughs> it felt a little bit Captain Planet. Except three, you know. It was, I don't know, leaf, ground, holiness, and camera. <laughs> Shotgun. And, and frown. <laughs> and angst. No, but deep yeah. down, like, Cameron is the heart, isn't he? Is he? Don't, I don't know if he is. I don't know if you remember that final conversation you had around the campfire. No, no. Okay. He is very deep down. I think maybe yeah. maybe he's our conscience. Is he Jiminy Cricket? Jesus, God is Cameron our conscious? That is <laughs> upsetting. <laughs> we really are. Matt, I have a question. Yes. I have a question for you, Matt. For those of you listening, you may have heard uh, on mic, but a few times off mic, Matt has mentioned how he saw us as quite a chaotic group. Whether or not he meant our characters or our own individual player personalities, I don't know. But Matt, my question is, was it more or less chaotic than you thought it would be. Uh, I think it was... Pre- uh, I think it... I was worried it could be more chaotic, honestly, <laughs> if I'm perfectly honest. Uh, at least, like, you were you were all on task the whole time. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you mm-hmm. all saw the, the scope of the threat and were serious about combating it. So, yeah, I, th- I think, uh, if anything, you know, if, next time if we see this group together again... Uh, feel free to be more chaotic if you want. <laughs> I think the, the reason perhaps we were so focused is because you specified the threat to something that all of us were going to take very, very seriously. Like mm-hmm. if it was something that wasn't directly threatening the forest and was something outside, I think Briar, they probably would have been more likely to take it less seriously or or be less or you know be a little bit more blase about it and if ghouls weren't there like cameron maybe wouldn't have been so driven and again it was so nature-based for the other two it it, like it it was perfectly pitched for something that these characters were going to take very seriously and and deal with as professionally as they those characters can (laughs) it would definitely be interesting in future sessions to see some of these very very nature-based forest-based fae-based characters have to exist in town and like deal with traffic wardens and stuff 
Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was interesting considering the difference between playtime and I'm this, this is recording. I've only listened to the first two episodes that have you know come out, but it seems very lovely and kind of mundane and cozy. It's schools and rain and vans and uh, and that sort of stuff. I imagine it's going to get uh, a lot broader than that. But it did strike me that we were completely separate from all of that. It, it felt like mm. we were quite isolated uh, yeah isolated in in the forest like everybody was happily going about their days and um but still with the uh the national trust team as the like the presence of the normal mundane world in yeah. there to remind mm. us that this isn't just a this isn't an epic fantasy forest this is a national trust property forest mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that was nice yeah, I think uh, just to kind of follow on from Strat's point, I think I definitely had this image in my head of, of Gwyneth being a little bit more lazy and a bit more reluctant uh, and like <laughs> enjoying kind of sleeping in a hammock uh, in maybe in one of the boughs of Briar's tree or something. But I think like like Strat said, the, the just the sheer um, weight and importance of what we had to do was definitely like there was no way she was going to be lazy about that. Yeah, nice. And it's great, great to see everybody like immediately inhabiting characters and being like, well, this is what would be important to my character. And therefore, let's run with that. Did you, do you feel with our, this uh, series and the, the um, playtime previously that us all playing characters and not versions of ourselves has changed the way that we're all playing from a, I guess you've, you've got a very bit different perspective interesting to know if you've noticed any differences or it's kind of feeling the same as it did with the, the Blackshaw saga. I think there's, as we always knew there would be, uh, and this is one of the reasons that we started off playing ourselves instead of characters, is that there's more to keep track of and there's more to concentrate on thinking, does the audience know this about the character yet? Do we need to put some exposition in here? Hmm. And that kind of thing. And I'm sure for all of you as players, you've got that extra level of not just what would I do, but what would what would this character do? What are their priorities? So I think maybe people are making different decisions, perhaps, to what they might have done. Uh, especially in something like this, where you're, you're talking about you saw the threat and you knew it was important and you went for it. That maybe if we were playing ourselves again still... Uh, that it would be a bit more like, well, why should I, this isn't my problem. I'm going to run away from the threat. <laughs> <laughs> I found mm. it much easier diving in and playing a character we I'd already had the chance to create some backstory for. Mm. I found it easier jumping into a situation where I'd ask myself, what would Ginny do? As opposed to what would Josh do facing mm. off against ghouls and a giant elk from the Ice Age? Uh, it, I definitely felt much more comfortable jumping in with this character that's completely your own intellectual property that you've come up with yourself and you can play in any way that you want to. And for the four of us, because this is the first season we've been able to play, this is our first chance to fully realise those characters. And I felt myself going in directions that I wouldn't have done. I was never questioning, oh, I need to, you know, should I be playing more like how I would actually play? How would Josh actually be here? It's like, you know what, Ginny does what Josh wants to do because I'm I'm creating this character and this this story um, with everybody else, with the four of you. So I felt it was almost like the training wheels were off. It was like, just go out there and just just see what happens, see what the relationship is. I had no idea, for example, that Cameron was going to be my assistant and that we'd have this very strange uh, power dynamic between the two of us and this relationship. And yet you, you threw it at us and I just rolled with it. And it was great and fun. And it was great. I found it very freeing, personally. I think it was nice to take because uh, when you play as yourself and you're playing with your friends you know you don't want to be nasty to each other do you know what i mean and i feel i felt mm. quite bad like reflecting back on it i think i said to strat like um nat's character just wound cameron up so many times and i actually felt quite <laughs> yeah. i felt quite bad afterwards the amount of sort of abuse that cameron gave uh donald and it's um <laughs> And I don't know, like, I just felt, oh, oh no. Like, and if I was playing myself in that, in that situation, I'd be like, oh, God, did I just bully Nat? But it kind of felt like that's what Cameron would have said and would have done. He would have behaved yeah. like an absolute tool uh, because he is one, really. Yeah, and, and don't worry about, like, upsetting me at all. Like, I, again, I totally appreciated that was the character level. And I think well, this is the thing, like, as well, 
Starkey, we like out of the Blackshaw group, there's people that I know better and there's people that are, mm. you know, I've only known for a year or so and you and Josh are in the latter category. And I think when we first met, I don't think we would have necessarily felt comfortable doing that. But I'm, yeah, I think we've role played together enough yeah, times totally. now that, you know, we know each other a bit better and I am absolutely fine with role playing negative stuff as well as positive stuff. And I think it can only make the world and the characters richer. I think that was actually one of the the cool things for me was that we did have characters that were in conflict and have unresolved things to work mm. through. It's about separating character and performer, isn't it? And mm. Yeah. That's, that's the thing when you're playing these games with theatrical people is that we approach them as a role the same as any other role we play on stage or on screen we i wouldn't get to the end of a, a play for example and feel bad that i'd given strat's character some abuse or shouted at natalie's character you get to the end you finish you 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 decompress and you realize it's all just a fictional fantasy that we've created it's different though right when when you're acting in in a, a play or something because they're not your lines if you've got to <laughs> yell uh, nah, it's okay because at the end you go, well, it was the playwright that made me did that. There was never, there was never any like. There's not so much as you, but when it, it, there has to be that kind of element of trust and and like support from from the other players in in role playing games because it is all you. So if you decide your character is going to be mean, it's all you. It's not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that is true. That person knew it was coming because we did the uh, you know the the read through a couple of weeks back, and <laughs> we we know that scene's going to be a, a a pretty intense one. It, it just happens, and you've got to kind of roll with it. And it's, I guess, in a in a way, it's if you're playing the character that you have built up and set up, if you're playing them truthfully to how you in your head have not written physically but written and created, then it's it's the same thing as acting right it's the that is obviously what they were going to say uh, when i was going through like Gwyneth's little preachy kind of speech i kind of knew that he wasn't gonna go for it it was not a shock that he turned around and told her to fuck off but it felt right hmm. i think what's fortunate with the four of us players is that as well as appearing previously in viola and prospero get stranded on the island we have played uh, off air in other games and other systems so mm. we're all not only used to playing in these games not only experienced playing in games full stop but experience of playing with each other that does help when you go into a situation because you know how to test boundaries and test limits and how people will react to each other that's mm. right Con controversially us five have played games that are not for public consumption that are just <laughs> for us <laughs> never how recorded outrageous. how dare yeah. we and even Sorry. with people that aren't part of the Miggly Role Players group. What? Cast, I mean, what's that Shocking. About? Moonlighting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as a as a way of um, doing a bit of uh, extra wrap up on Cold Snap, um, let's do some some stars and some wishes. So a star is something that you assign to say this was something about the session I really loved, either about something someone else did or just a moment that you really enjoyed. Uh, and a wish is something that you you wish you had got to do or hope that you might get to do in another session but didn't this time i've got one if if i may yeah go ahead only because it rolls on quite nicely from the conversation we we've just have had Ginny Greenteeth star is going to be awarded to uh, Nat and Chris for the final scene around the campfire because I thought that it was a, a wonderful moment of bringing in drama through the characters completely organically and i just thought it was a wonderful way to wrap up the main body of that story and from a personal point of view me playing the character who tried to force resolution <laughs> between the two it was nice to see it get thrown back in my face so to speak because i realized that i realized that when i did the whole being the overbearing grandmotherly figure and pushing cameron towards gwynedd both player and character Josh and Ginny were thinking, this will be great. This will be a wonderful moment and they'll get on and they'll resolve and it'll all be lovely and I can <laughs> potter off into the distance. My work here is done. Bye-bye. See you later. <laughs> and the fact that that didn't work was wonderful because ultimately it's about personal decisions and consent, right? And if Chris playing Cameron doesn't feel comfortable in that scenario, then 
he shouldn't subscribe to um, the narrative of happy ending of doing what I want to do. He should do what he thinks is best. I thought you two role played that out wonderfully. This is also a really nice thing about telling a story over a longer period and over more sessions is that if this had been the only story we were telling in this setting, you might have felt pressured to have a nice, neat resolution to things. But as it is, we can leave that tension unresolved for for another time. True. Mm. Absolutely. Because if, if Chris had just gone ahead with how I wanted the story to go, but it directly uh, clashed with his idea, then I've stripped him of his of, of, of the direction that he wanted to take it in i think when I, when I went over there i had absolutely the intention to make it a happy bow tying moment all right of, of, interesting um, yep just gonna bury the hatchet apologize for pushing her over and just saying fuck me fairies are weird and just walk off <laughs> i'd literally intended to do that but then again, it's like a, a cascade as well, right? If we if we hadn't have accidentally brought the Morrigan in, which is something that I was not actually expecting in this session. Me neither. Yeah, I was expecting that to pop up maybe in a later one once we kind of establish Gwyneth does a character more. But if the Morrigan hadn't appeared and set her that challenge of, okay, everything's got to be kindness and peace, show me that it works, then she probably wouldn't have been that philosophical at the end. So it, it's all, yeah, it's all dominoes. I mean, she picked a poor mortal to back as her champion of love <laughs> yeah. and peace, to be honest. But that's why he's poignant, right? Yeah, true. Because he's the one that needs the help the most. <laughs> he just needs a cuddle. <laughs> Uh, I, I have a I have a star that sort of uh, follows on from that a little or, or expands it, which is just... I want to award stars to just all of the the emotional performance that we got, like right mm. from the beginning, um, from the the first scene that everybody came together uh, at the the crime scene. We immediately had like ev- I, what I thought was really uh, was kind of unexpected um, and really hit me was that all of your and all of your characters' first instinct was to comfort each other before investigating the mystery and i think like because this is a game and the game has objectives and has dice that you can roll and numbers that you can make go up that i feel like sometimes you know the the possibility is that we concentrate on that and on playing the game but the fact that you all came and you had this juicy crime scene to investigate and find out what's going on and nobody's first instinct was to roll dice everybody's first instinct was is briar okay is Ginny okay let's get you know and we had a nice little sort of um huddle in the middle of the stone circle with Gwyn's wings around everybody that i just thought was lovely agreed Mm. yeah it was was a a long time really nice moment well a long while until anyone rolled any (laughs) dice it felt almost like those first kind of couple of scenes where we were in the two pairs and then when we all came together it was like <laughs> it was like we've been given these new characters and we were like kicking the tires and <laughs> seeing okay what what are they like who are they what what's what are they going to happen so we weren't really at least i wasn't particularly thinking about dice or the mechanics here i was like mm. i need to get in I, I wanted to take a bit of time and play briar as a character rather than because the previous versions like we obviously we all tried to we all role played bits in in like when we were playing ourselves but you could go straight into what was going on and that was kind of how the game kind of didn't make you play but it's kind of was how naturally it went whereas this one i was like i need to know who briar is before i can really decide what's going to happen which and the risks that they're going to take which is what's going to make me play dice and yeah it was a very different way of starting yeah i was genuinely surprised when matt asked me to roll dice it was like i'd been <laughs> snapped back in the room like oh well, yeah, we're playing a game aren't we oh of course sorry shit i better i better do something yeah you're like oh i could have been rolling dice failing and leveling up for like an hour <laughs> <laughs> it, it was just nice to role play out that out, out that scene without um feeling the need to to roll dice so there was no point i walked forward and and during that very tender moment being like oh matt sorry can, can i can i roll to comfort brian that would have just felt so janky and uncomfortable press f to pay respects yeah and that's it yeah take the knee 
I I think my my stars have probably been covered by the scenes that we've mentioned, but I think an honourable mention, uh, I think, goes to um, Josh reeling out a whole list of things for Gwyneth to get from the shop, and then the ensuing um, so like walkie talkie conversation where <laughs> both Ginny and Karen freaking out <laughs> at Gwyneth being like eh, and tossing stuff over her shoulder. <laughs> Um, I actually, I have taken a photograph. I did write it all down and I've taken a photograph of the list as well. Yeah. Oh, there were lots of really cool moments, I thought. Um, it was sort of like pathos and all of the um, emotional content I thought was interesting and surprising. I certainly hadn't expected it to necessarily go that way. Uh, I really enjoyed the epilogue, um, generally speaking, from beginning to end. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the the whole kind of fairy funeral was was yeah. lovely as well. I like shooting the ghoul in the face with a shotgun. <laughs> that was mm-hmm. awesome. I, was, I I can't really. I think I've got a wish. If I can go onto wishes, yeah, yeah, Matt, feel free. Uh, I wish I'd ridden the bloody motorcycle <laughs> to the forest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but next time, next, next time. time, yeah. I got to say the bit where we all went from the Grove of Oddities to Briar's Tree and the kind of little like individual battles that we had along the way that that whole sequence for me was really good fun it felt suddenly really pacey and it but it felt like an action sequence more than sort of like a perilous moment i never felt like we were properly in trouble but it felt like that moment in a film where you you get to see the heroes and what their powers can do and you're kind of like, okay, this is this is their level of ability compared to these mooks. Can't wait for the big showdown with the big bad that's actually going to pose them a problem. <laughs> it felt it felt like one of those moments. It was really good fun to play. It felt like a nice change of pace after we'd had a lot of pathos and empathy mm. and character moments, and it was mm. masterfully orchestrated by the GM to throw some ghouls at us to make the peril rise up, and for us to suddenly sort of switch into action mode. Mm. I want to give an honourable mention star as well while we're talking about battles and combat and things to uh, Briar's finishing move (laughs) Uh, and bringing it back to fairy mischief at the very end there while also being incredibly badass. I was so pleased myself when I thought of that. And then my, one of my wishes, because afterwards I was like, Oh damn. Cause I, I turned Bri back into their like, true form to spin around at the bottom and i should have bambied it i should have turned oh. into a fawn and then done the bit where bambi's just spinning splayed legs on the ice we'd already had a few disney and other movie references but i, know, I don't know man i like the the idea about you being cross-legged sitting on your bum and just sort of slowly <laughs> spinning holding this sword upwards yeah like. i did like the, uh, <laughs> the visual it was a lot of fun uh i have a i'll start with the wishes as well that I, I had plans for the Winter King to try and tempt you all to turn and join Ooh, him mm. against Briar, which he, he didn't use because in the end we sort of had the Morrigan to do the gloating in the final fight instead. But he he sort of saw that he had an affinity with Cameron because Cameron has icy rage. Mm-hmm. And he saw that Gwyn was like a Ronin, like a shield maiden without a master and would have attempted to win her over to his side. I think I had ideas for for Ginny, but I think think that would have changed because you changed your magic in the end, Josh. I think, didn't you, when you originally built Ginny, didn't you have, like, ice magic? I did. I originally built her as an ice mage. Yeah, so he would have had common ground with her for that. I had to come up with something else uh, in the end. But, yeah, so he he didn't get to do his uh, uh, sinister villain monologuing at you all. But like I say, we had Morrigan to do that instead, so mm. I'm not. I bothered. think that worked. It, I think it worked out better in that way. The the idea that the, the Winter King was actually is not this kind of sentient wahaha evil. Mm-hmm. It is this. It's just a force of nature, and it has to be, and it just yeah. walks mm-hmm. and creates the ice and the permafrost, and that's how you you just have to stop it and it's a like a feral animalistic thing rather than something cerebral i think it worked out better that way Mm. yeah it's like if if it's awake that means it's time to kill raya (laughs) yes (laughs) that's how we never questioned why it woke up and it said that the ghouls had woken it 
And so there's yeah. like, there's this, we ended and I was like, oh shit, there's, <laughs> there was the thing. There was a little strand that Matt left us to, to pick at and we yeah. didn't pick at it. Never, never chatted to any of the ghouls for long enough. Oh, I know. Chatting have to Cameron ghouls. To, to, <laughs> Cameron to thank for that. I mean, I'm, I'm metagaming slightly because I, I know you haven't, but I've heard the whole of Playtime. <laughs> And it's it's all there's all I mean it's the the standard thing with any kind of uh, monster of the week Buffy that kind of thing there's always a thread left to pick. Oh yeah, it, it's brilliant, and clearly there's some big, you know, Matt's Matt's got plans. Mm-hmm. Look at his face, that innocent <laughs> Matt always face. Has plans. <laughs> there's something going on. This is bigger than a simple ice age. <laughs> <laughs> Just your casual little old ice age. <laughs> might have only covered the space that the Rosebriar Forest currently covers. <laughs> Not sure. Not sure how all this works. We're finding it out. Uh, I have a wish. Go ahead. I'm a little little sad that I didn't get to meet any of the organisations that I had established. Ooh, yeah. So I didn't mm. get to meet the three Wicked Sisters, mm-hmm. the Ladies of the Woods. Yeah. Uh, and no sort of further contact with the Elder Ones or yeah. the the greater fey guardians which i totally understand why because if the morrigan came down and then the elder gods also came down we'd have like elder god showdown <laughs> and it would put everything into perspective um but yeah i would have liked to have met connie mabel and ruth that were i I'll, I'll second that wish i'd like to meet them at some point as well i'm sure we will one day they weren't necessary in the story ultimately and we did very very well without them but don't they sh- have don't they live in the Rosebriar Forest they do. somewhere? Yeah. Don't Which they were bit? probably fighting in the background. They were probably <laughs> just dealing with ghouls and smashing them and whatever else. I, I, I don't know exactly where they are. I feel there's kind of like a part of the forest that's throughout the throughout the centuries, generations of people have considered that part of the forest to be haunted. Or sort of, oh, don't go to the Forbidden Glade, or mm. don't visit the hut that the three ladies live in. Don't visit, you know, the, the the abandoned mill in the middle of the forest. It's always been haunted. I think that they've always just been there. But we we established that their modern day form is they're kind of more sort of earth mothery, hippie-ish, selling dodgy shrooms to local school kids. Yeah, that's, they live in like a current form. like a turf covered solar powered house. <laughs> <laughs> So hundreds and hundreds of years ago, when Ginny first knew them, they were probably hideous crones who did full double-double toil and trouble style magic. But now they realise they'd be a little out of place if they did that <laughs> in the 21st century. So one thing that was unresolved, Matt, was my luck roll and uh, getting some information, a dangerous piece of information about the quarry that I oh, personally yeah. am oh. pursuing. Yes, I'd forgotten all about that. We never followed up on that. Yeah, we'll have to work out what that should be. Maybe you and I should have a separate conversation. Sure. Because we, what we did learn, without you needing to spend luck, was that the the specific one that Cam brained, or the specific ones that attacked Cam, may still be out there in some mm. form, because magic wasn't used to, to kill them. Oh, of so, course. Yeah, they've all mm. scuttled away in their little shadowy, so smoky forms. Cam might well be in a sort of memento situation, spoilers for <laughs> memento, where you're like just killing ghouls over and over, thinking maybe that's the one. Maybe <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> oh, I have a, a, a question about how the magic works, and I've not got the um, the actions sheet mm-hmm. in front of me, but the um, the magic action of enchanting Cameron's uh, was it the axe that I enchanted in the end? Yep. Um, how long does that last? Is that permanently enchanted now? No, or is that it, like a... by default it lasts about half an hour. So right. we we sort of allowed it to last for that battle, but it'll have worn off by the next time mm-hmm. Cameron's in the story. Dang it! So so now that just that gives Cameron a bit of momentum to come, keep come visiting you, mate. So in exchange, <laughs> you'll just have to keep working on him in exchange for yep. blessing his axe. Yeah, big magic could potentially permanently enchant a weapon like that. I was going to say, could big magic mm. be used to make Cameron some awesome magic ghoul slaying weapon? Hundred percent, it could. Seems like the sort of thing you need to make if uh, the original ghoul comes back. Yeah. Well, we'll Google. see if he's Big earned it. magic rock for you to hit it with. <laughs> yeah. That was quite a nice moment, actually, on camera, seeing Chris realise that he probably didn't kill the original ghouls. Mm. And I hadn't even realised that was the implication of that. I had just, like, I have to come up with weaknesses for these 
monsters and minions to have. I was like, let's have a nice simple one for ghouls. You have to kill them with magic because they're mm. magical beings. And hadn't even quite realized until we were having that scene that that meant that Cameron's big mm-hmm. moment, that he might not have fully done the job. Oh, so, yeah, God. Getting oh, narrative God. emerging in play. That's what yeah, we love. Great. I have, uh, well, I have a few little wishes, but they're not quite as big or as epic or as important indeed. But I think, as we said, I think because we went straight, apart from the, the lovely little moment at the very start with the with Briar and Gwynedd and, and the National Trust Inspector, um, we kind of, we didn't have any moments that fully explored her in the human world. Yeah. <laughs> I, mm-hmm. I guess, and... Uh, being under Briar's tutelage of how the modern world works. So I guess uh, that would be a, a nice wish to explore, like, what has Briar told her that is completely <laughs> wrong? <laughs> and then, I guess, exploring what her relationship with the Morrigan is now. Yeah. Going forward, now that she is known yeah, to be you, back. So you said you said a couple of times you weren't expecting Morrigan yet. I mean, I, mm. I wasn't either. It came out of that magic role. Um, was that okay for you? Yeah. 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 I think it, I think it worked. Uh, I think it worked quite well because it was it was almost a taster. It was it wasn't mm. that the Morrigan was there as a big bad that we had to battle. She kind of appeared. She made the the connections and the links that we'd already talked about in the backstory um, about the the possible connection with Cameron as well. And yeah, she just kind of rocked up and caused a bit of menace, which, yeah, you, you don't want a god to turn up and completely destroy everything as soon as they do. <laughs> no. You know, that that mm. that's not fun. I thought afterwards that were, uh, something she could have done to like immediately show how powerful she is, is just dispel all of your like the protection you'd given yourselves against the cold mm. just be like oh. no you don't get this for this fight <laughs> anymore deal with it that would have been very mean <laughs> it, well in the end so the the what she did where she turned like the fog around the winter king and put some like black strands into that if any of you had got close enough into his mist then that would have happened it would have got rid of your uh, uh, sure, got rid of your heat enchantment. Mm-hmm. Um, although I'm actually thinking, we'll see. Uh, you'll have heard in a, a recent episode. I'm thinking about maybe doing a little bit of editing post-production trickery so that it's her, because none of you did get close enough to see what the effect of her interference was. I'm thinking maybe I might shuffle things around so that it's her that gives the Winter King his transformation and his second stage. Cool. Uh, that's cool yeah yeah because then she's actually interfering and it actually has an effect so Mm. pulling back the curtain on the editing process for all of you (laughs) lucky listeners (laughs) sometimes we fudge things a slight bit (laughs) yeah i I guess the 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 other thing with her her appearance is that the the challenge to to gwyned and uh, to to prove that kindness is stronger than darkness it it kind of feels very open to interpretation and open-ended as well it doesn't it feels like an impossible task but also a kind like an easy thing all in in a way in the it's something that Gwyneth could actually try to do, even though it's probably an impossible task. It's not like, well, I'm going to turn you back into a duck. Yeah, I sort of thought I was trying to think very much on the fly what she was going to yeah. do. And it's like, I figured that maybe because of the way the curse was broken, that maybe she can't do it again. Maybe there's some sort of mm. rule that means that she can't just curse you exactly the same way again. So has to try and do something to try and like give you this Sisyphean task uh, that that you'll just sort of throw your head against over and over again. It'll be interesting to see how that ends up playing out and what other interference she might bring in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's also and also I'm very intrigued to see the like the choice Gwyn makes because this is like. We talked about this. I think it. I don't know whether it'll have made it into the episode. That what she is offering in return, like a return to her ranks and a return to to Gwyn's status as a shield maiden, it would be really interesting to find, like, really explore whether that's something Gwyn even wants. Mm. I suppose as well. Would would that um, change fundamentally who Gwyn 
is if she refused, would she be made mortal? Yeah. Or would she still retain her divine powers mm. and abilities? Yeah, I guess that has to be something that's going through her head as well. It's like, yeah. do I really want to be back in this person's service, but I, I want this power to be able to do what I'm doing and do good? Yeah. Uh, I have another star to give out, if I may. Okay. Uh, I'd like to give a star out to the true MVPs of this game, which I think were the dice that we were rolling. Yeah. Uh, because <laughs> more of what I can see with the number of rolls that were going on, I mean, I rolled 10 times, I think, and only rolled one failure. So I'm very, very happy. Yeah, there were a lot of successes early doors. Yeah, we rolled well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, thank you all again for playing. I look forward very much to seeing all of you and all of your characters in action again. Definitely. Yeah, thank you so much, Matt. That was yeah, really cool. Thanks, thank you so much. Absolutely epic. And thank you for listening. <laughs>